We were supposed to watch Iron Man 3, but clearly that's not happening because it, it's not out yet. But anyways, uh, Oblivion stars Tom Cruise, whose character's name is Jack, if you haven't seen this movie. Um, actually, the first time Haley and I watched this movie, which is like a, a week ago, so a week ago when Haley and I watched this movie, um, we're like, why is this character named Jack? Because like a month before that, we watched the movie Jack Reacher, and so he stars as Jack Reacher, and then the next movie, his character name is Jack, and I'm like... They couldn't have picked another name. It's, I mean, it's not like it's super important to call him Jack. It's not like, you know, Leonidas or something powerful like that. So I was just like, that is ridiculous to me. And, and to me, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, this is great. This is great things to laugh at Tom Cruise at because we love to laugh at Tom Cruise because he's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, I, I was reading this guy's review of this of this movie, uh, and he was like, you know what? As crazy as Tom Cruise is, he's a great action hero, like, actor, and, and we love him because every time we watch a Tom Cruise movie, it's like a fresh start for Tom Cruise. It's like, win my heart again, Tom Cruise, because you can. Um, and then we see him on, like, Oprah, and we're like, that's why I don't like this guy. Um <laughs> Anyway, so Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman, uh, Olga, Olga, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot how to pronounce her last name, Kurlinko, Um she's the new Bond girl. You'll see her and you're like, her name should not be Olga. That is a, her parents messed that up. Um, and then Andrea Risenborough. Um, Oblivion is directed by Joseph Kaczynski, uh, who also directed Tron. Uh, interesting enough, this is his second movie directing, which I was blown away when I learned that. Like, your first movie is Tron, and then your second movie, you're working with Tom Cruise. How does that work? Um, but they really liked him, I guess. Uh, Joseph Kaczynski actually wrote Oblivion. He wrote it first as a graphic novel and then presented it at the 2010 comic or Comic-Con. Um, and almost instantly, studios started bidding for this movie, for the movie rights to this uh, and actually Disney won it first and they have, you know, tons of money. So Disney wins. And then they realized after they got the full story that we can't do this and make it PG 13. So they sold it to universal studios. Um, which I was like, way to go, Disney way to just throw money around. Like it's no big deal. Um, Personally, uh, I think it's really cool that there is a ton of science fiction, good science fiction movies out and coming out in 2013, and especially the summer 2013 has been awesome. We have like After Earth and Star Trek and Oblivion and Asylum and Pacific Rim and all these cool science fiction. It's like it's on the rise again, and I, and I dig it. Um, so how many of you have seen Oblivion? Excellent. Not that many of you. Okay, I'm going to give you some small details. Doesn't ruin anything. Um, you see that as we start, we're going to focus in on on the relationship between Jack and Victoria. And we'll see that these people are kind of some of the few left on planet Earth. Um, I see why Aaron tells you to pop popcorn after. It's very distracting. Uh, so there was this great war that happened with this alien race called the Scavengers. Um, and so Tom Cruise is left on Earth to repair these heavy machineries that is pumping ocean water and then converting it into energy, um, which instantly raises 
a few questions for me and the director, and he addresses these things. It's like, why seawater? Why can't you get energy from somewhere else? Um, and he talks about how seawater has very trace amounts of heavy hydrogen in it. Um, and that is an even, it's, it's rare in seawater. It's even more rare in the rest of our solar system. So this is kind of like the last place. And while the human race has fled Earth um, because of this alien invasion, they're still trying to get all of its resources. And so it creates this very pure, very rare form of energy. So that's why seawater. My next question is, if we have machines pumping seawater, and, and you'll see that we have robots protecting those machines, why do we need a human to fix those machines? I mean, if, if we have the technology to do all those things, why don't we just build more robots to fix the broken robots? Um, and Kaczynski talks about this. He's like, the, the human mind is much more capable um, to, to fix things. It's, it, it can adjust and improvise in sticky and dangerous situations way more than, than a robot could. You, you'll see this happening um, a couple times where Jack fixes a machine um, by a way that a robot never could. You're going to see him use a stick of gum to fix something, and you're like, robots could never do that. Go, go humans for the win. Um, and personally, I really like that the director thought through those things because I like detail in my science fiction. I don't like the story to be full of holes and gaps. So I, I think that's great. Um, some interesting things that happened in the, the filming of this movie. Uh, Tom Cruise turned 50 while on the set of this movie um, as his 50th birthday present from Joseph Kaczynski, the the director, uh, he gives him a dirt bike. Um, and this dirt bike is actually in the movie. You'll, you'll see Tom Cruise riding around this dirt bike, realize it's real, realize Tom Cruise does his own dirt bike stunts. Um, and so it's really just filming Tom Cruise on his dirt bike, which I'm like, that's cool, man. On, on his birthday present. Uh, of course, Tom Cruise, being huge and having lots and lots of money, decided to give gifts on his birthday. Um, and so he gives this, this die, or what, what was it? Uh, a die cast model of this bubble ship that you'll see. He's going to drive around this crazy bubble ship that he helped design the cockpit to because he has his pilot license. And so he helped design this ship. Um, and he gets a die cast model and gives that to the director because it's like, it's my birthday. Here are gifts for my friends. I'm like, dang it, Tom Cruise. Um, if you've seen this movie, you have seen this great glass house. Um, you, you're going to be kind of blown away. It's really, really amazing, this, this house and how real it looks. Um, and this house, this giant glass house was made by filming uh, hundreds of hours of the sky from a volcano in Maui and then projected onto huge, huge screens, um, like 500 feet by 45 feet screens. Massive screens. It took 10 weeks just to set up this house. Uh, it's massive, and it's really, really impressive. Um, and Tom Cruise said to date it has been one of his favorite sets to work on um, because all the glass and screens and how, how wonderful it looks. Um, I'm going to give you a few things to look for in this movie. Uh, you're going to see Drone 116 a lot. Um, look for Jack in like a stick figure form, decapitated with his head by his feet, drawn onto the robot. I know, kind of messed up. Um, 
Uh, also, at the at the very beginning, during the Universal kind of logo, uh, you see this spaceship floating through, like orbiting around the Earth. This is the Tet, um, and this is like the main spaceship that that the humans have fled to. Uh, kind of cool. Um, also, there are a ton of references to past sci-fi movies. So. Depending on how educated you are when it comes to sci-fi, you'll hear references to Star Wars, you'll hear references to Terminator, to Star Trek, to Firefly, to The Matrix. Um, this is like, hey, we like sci-fi and we're just going to give props to sci-fi movies, which... Again, I like that. So this guy knows what he's doing. Um, that's everything that I have. Maybe we should pray and then start. So um, I'll pray real quick and then we'll start watching this movie. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to get together and to worship you um, in a really cool and different way. Um, God, we understand that there is no such thing as mindless entertainment. Um, and I pray that uh, through this and when we um, watch TV and watch movies, uh, we would look for deeper meanings and, and not just sitting there mindlessly. We would understand that in all things that we do, we can bring um, glory and honor to you. So um, God bless this time. And in Jesus' name, amen. First time I saw, oh, what? So many of them. Uh, just me. All right. Um, I saw a bunch of different things in there. And you could talk about, I don't know, probably lots. So I'm going to just touch on three real quick. Um, the, the first thing actually is, is really interesting because I walked in today and someone was like, oh, what movie are we watching? Oblivion. Oh, who's in that? Tom Cruise. And this is their next question. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? And I was like, he's a good guy. Is he a good guy? I don't really know. And so I started thinking about this, how the movie was playing. And I was like, well, it's interesting how how more or less our, our culture sets what's right and wrong for the rest of our culture. Um, and then if you were to go against what culture says, you're viewed as a bad guy, e even if that's the right thing. So if our culture says something and yet God says something else and we, we follow God in that, we're almost viewed as a bad guy because how dare us offend someone and tell someone they're, they're wrong. I was like, oh, well, bam, there you go. Point number one. Um, uh, I also, in this movie, I see the, the bond of marriage and how Jack longs for Julie. You see that even though Jack is brainwashed, he still loves and seeks um, his true wife. And, and in a weird sci-fi kind of way, it's this great love story of a man who has the world stacked against him who's in search for his wife. Um, that even though he's been brainwashed, he's in another relationship kind of forcibly, um, he's on the planet with one other person, he still searches for his true love. Um, you see this very much in how Christ treats us. You see that Jesus gave up his life for us. He calls the church his bride. How husbands should love their wives like Christ loves the church and is willing to give his life up for her, much like Jack tries to Jack does and also attempts to give his life up for his wife. You see that God is in search of us because we are lost, much like Julie is lost. And he defeats whatever stands in his way to be with his children. Um, so those are two things that I see. What I'm really drawn to in this movie um, is Victoria. 
um, which is kind of weird. But um, I think Victoria is, is the character that I most identify with, and I think that we as people and as believers most identify with. You see that while Jack is out fixing drones and standing in stadiums and growing flowers and building awesome lake houses, um, she just kind of sits there. You see that Jack is looking for more in his existence. He says there needs to be more than just fixing robots. And she goes, no, that's, that's it. This, this, is, this is life. And, and this is not changing. You see that in her head she has this kind of, as we learn, it's this false hope. It's this, it's this idea that someone planted in her head that in five years she gets to leave and she gets to go to Titan. If that is even real. She has no idea. But she goes, this is what I'm hoping for. And so she, at the beginning she says, there's two more weeks, Jack. Two more weeks. Don't mess this up for me. This is my goal. This is what my life has come to. She has set this impossible goal for herself. And, and I mean, even if they did get to leave and that didn't happen, you know, she'd go and then they'd just wipe her memory or make a new one. And I don't know what they do with the old bodies, but, um, and that for the last five years, she's been doing the exact same thing. She's built this pattern. She's built this routine into her life. And it's not that it's an awful pattern, but it's a pattern that, that we find out isn't even really living. She thinks it's living, but, but it's, but it's not. It's just doing what she's always done. She has no idea that there's more out there, more that could be done. She has no idea that she's living in a lie. She's got no idea what truth is. And then you see Jack comes and he figures out the truth and then he offers her truth. He offers her, um, almost in a weird way, salvation. He offers to rescue her and she resists. She goes, no, I, I don't want that. That would change my pattern. That would interrupt my life. That's not, that's not what I want. That interferes with the goal, with the prize that I have in my head. And it is more important to, to follow what I have in my head than to learn and to understand the real truth. She's so concerned with this illusion that she doesn't realize how ineffective her life truly is being. And, and I see this with us. You know, we walk around with this, this pattern in life where we, you know, ignore signs, we ignore general revelation, we ignore God thinking, God, this is, this is the pattern that I have and I don't want it to change and I don't want to follow you because then my pattern might change. My life is effective the way it is. You hear her say over and over, we have an effective partnership, we have an effective team and we don't really see how ineffective it is because we are so blind to it. Romans 1, 21 through 25 says, for though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks for him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling a mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts and to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served creature rather than creator. See, we claim to have an effective life. And, and then we see that without God, it's really not that effective. It's not even really living. 
I mean, sure, we're alive just like Victoria is alive, just like Victoria and Jack are completing missions. They're staying alive, but it's all based upon a false hope. What Victoria needs is salvation. She needs to be saved from this false hope. She needs to know the truth. And you see that that's what God brings to us. And and he does it in a way where, not in the same way that Jack does it. Because he knows that if if we were to be, be offered salvation like that, that we would react like Victoria. You're wrong. This is, I, I have an effective life. We would say no. And rather God pursues, he changes us, he softens our hearts because of his goodness. And it's because of that, and it's because of his pursuit that we may know him instead of exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Um, for those of us who do love Christ, who, who are Christians, who are born again. Um, I want to kind of go a little bit deeper into this in the light of, of living out the gospel. Um, and many of us have our, our daily routines. And, and I'm not bashing on routines. I'm not saying all routines are bad. Uh, I'm saying oftentimes we forget the purpose behind our routines. We forget to actually live the gospel in our routines, and we just go through the pattern. Um, so we, we have our routines. So it's like you wake up at 7, you eat breakfast, you kiss your spouse goodbye, you say hello to your kids, you go to work, um, you come home, you sit on the couch for a while, you kind of zone out. Maybe watch some TV, um, and then you go to sleep. Maybe once a week or so, we go to like a gospel community night and talk about Jesus a little bit. Uh, we kind of work our habits, our hobbies, our addictions into our routines, and then at the end of the week, we go to church on Sunday and then start over again on Monday. And week after week, this is kind of what we do, and we get into this pattern, and we think, yes, this is effective. This is an effective life. Um, this is what God wants for me. And, and you see, and instead of actually living out the gospel, instead of actually living a life of worship and praise, we try and force God into our routine. We say, God, this is what would be effective in my life. God, this is what would be effective for you to do in my life. This is what I expect out of you. This is the goal from my life, and this is what I need from you to make that happen. I, I only have two more weeks. I only need you to get me to this point. I only want this thing. And then once I'm there, then I'll be good. Then I'll be happy. Then my patterns will pay off and you would have done your job. And this will be an effective partnership. And, and that's not how a relationship with God should be. That's not transforming. That's telling God what to do. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, this doesn't say get saved, figure out your relationship with Christ, get on Jesus' good side, and then never develop a relationship, never grow in knowledge and wisdom and in, and in deepening relationship with Christ. It continues, Romans 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewal of mind. 
See, even if you don't have some sort of daily or weekly pattern, many of us get into this pattern and into this groove of thinking. And we come, become comfortable and, and content with how we live. And, and so it's, you know, well, I don't really read my Bible all that much, but I go to church, so that's okay. You know, I don't spend that much time with Jesus, but I go to a gospel community night once a week, and, and, and that's okay. You know, I go to gospel community night, but I don't really live in actual gospel community. I don't want to take the time to disciple someone because that just requires too much involvement from us. And we view it as a hassle. We say, I have an effective life. I go to church. I do these things. I don't need to add more. God, this is my life. This is my pattern. Don't mess this up for me. And we establish my life, our lives. And this isn't how it should be, but I identify with Victoria because this is the pattern that I get into. This is the pattern I think most of us get into. It's one that's comfortable, one that's familiar. And then God comes and brings change and brings transformation, and we kind of resist against that because we go, this doesn't feel effective to me because it's not what I've been doing for the last years. See, we should be a people of growth. You know, if you have been saved for the last 10, 5, 2 years, 6 months, and your relationship with God isn't growing, something is wrong. So something's wrong because there should be transformation. And sadly, we're much too much like Victoria. And when God brings change, usually our first reaction is, Why? Why? Why would you change this for me? It has become familiar, comfortable, and effective, and you messed it up for me. And this should not be us. We should be a people who are excited to live in gospel community, who are excited to have relationship with God, who view that as a blessing, who understand that God calls us to make disciples, and we would take that call, that privilege, that honor seriously. And like 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, transform from the same image from one degree of glory to another. That you, me, we as a people who love God would not be stuck, but we would be transformed. That's what I see in oblivion. Are all of you guys like, yeah, I saw that too. Genius, genius. Um, did anyone see anything else that they'd like to talk about? I know Aaron usually asks that question, and usually everyone's like, you covered it, bro. You got it. So, I don't know. There were some parts at the end watching it through again. I was like, oh, I could have talked about that. You know, especially that last part. You know, man. You know, that was a strategic placement of swearing words. Way to go, Tom Cruise. Um, so, that's what I got. Um, I'll pray, and then we'll be done, unless... Anyone has any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns? Did anyone see the uh, the picture of Jack Harper, like, uh, yeah, Jack Harper with his head cut off on the drone one six six? Haley sent me a photo of it, and like when you're looking at it, it it's like a tattoo almost up here, and it's not a stick figure; it's actually drawn out, and it's kind of hard to see because it's pretty graphic and there's things like shooting out of his neck. And so we just assume like, oh, well, that's a man, but you see his head's on the floor and you're like, oh man. 
If you want, I'll show you a picture of it. It's on my phone. So you just come up to me like, let me see a picture of that, James. It's there. So, all right. Well, let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you for fellowship. We thank you for community. We thank you for loving and saving us. Um, we thank you for um, being a God who is relentless in your pursuit of us and in your transformation of us. God, I pray that we would not become content in uh, in our patterns. Um, and if we do have patterns, God, that those patterns would be patterns that glorify you and that bring honor and praise to your name. Um, and that through uh, the way we live, um, people would come to know who you are and of your goodness and of your grace. Um, God, we thank you for good movies. We thank you for entertainment. Um, we thank you for... Um, God, just the ability to enjoy those kinds of things and to enjoy each other. Um, you are so good to us, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.